Hey yo, it's Dan Schreiner back here in the Disciple Henson studio. We've got a special episode, special guest, special guest host, Matthew Cunningham interviewing Jeremy Meeks. Jeremy Meeks is the director of the Chicago course on preaching at the Charles Simeon Trust. And Matt Cunningham and I just had three weeks with him doing an intensive. I got COVID, so I wasn't able to interview Jeremy. Matthew stepped in the gap, does the interview, does a great job. And I think it'll be really helpful for you guys to hear how Jeremy thinks about preaching, training preachers. After all, we know that life comes through God's word, and we want to be faithful in delivering and listening to God's word. So I hope you are encouraged and enjoy this episode. I think you will listen and be edified. Hey friends, this is Matthew Cunningham with an episode of the Disciple Hinson Podcast. No, this is not Daniel Schreiner, it's not PK, it's not even Jeff Chang, but it is Matthew Cunningham nonetheless. On this episode, I'm joined by Jeremy Meeks, who's the director of the Chicago Course on Preaching at the Samian Trust here in Chicago. Uh, right now, Daniel Schreiner would be hosting this, but he's currently locked in a basement recovering from COVID-19. Mm. And by the time you see him, Lord willing, he has his taste back, his smell back, and he's ready to talk to you face to face. So we're uh, in the in the offices of Christ Church Chicago and the Simeon Trust Lair, which I hear actually was once a former dance studio. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Okay. I never danced here. Okay, well, I, I hope, hope that's encouraging that yeah. we're in a place of dancing. <laughs> Jeremy, we want to talk about preaching today, uh, but first, let's take a couple minutes for our listeners to get to know you. Great. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I am the director of the Chicago Course on Preaching. I am married to Marjorie. We've been married for 21 years. I have two wonderful children, Alexis and Jake. Former senior pastor of a church in Nashville, Tennessee. And yeah. Where'd you grow up? Uh, so I grew up in kind of San Diego and then in uh, the Puget Sound area in Washington. Our neck of the woods. Yeah. Yep. The nice, rainy, mm. cloudy part of the world. It's green, though. That's great. Okay. God How'd you come? You Thank you. How'd you come to know uh, Christ? Uh, so I kind of grew up in the church, walked away, and really came to know Christ by coming to the end of myself and uh, trying to prove that the preacher in Ecclesiastes was a chump and that he just didn't try hard enough. Mm. So I tried as hard, if not harder, than he did to figure out life and figured out that that wasn't going to work. And essentially... Um, had no other option but to be a Christian, which didn't excite me at first. It was just like, oh no, I think I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Hmm. And that was it. If he was who he said he is, then it was over. It's a done deal. Yep. Amen. Uh, prior to being a pastor, you said you were a pastor in Tennessee for about 10 years. What did you do before that? Uh, I was a missionary in Nicaragua. Hmm. Tell us a, a, a crazy missionary story. Uh, so, crazy missionary story. There's lots of them. Um, probably, you know, uh, one of the crazier stories is just how uh, in moving down there, we moved down there at 21 years old, mm -hmm. and everybody rightly was like, you should not become missionaries. But we were Calvary Chapel, so mm -hmm. we had the Holy Spirit. That's all you need. Yep. And we, went, we moved to Nicaragua uh, on a promised budget of $325 a month from one church. And the craziest story is that was the only church that gave to us every single month we were in Nicaragua, or individual, yet, shockingly, we had all of our needs met every month by every single month a random assortment of human beings. Praise God. Yeah. And how long were you down there? 
Six years. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Um, so you're working on a dis- dissertation right now. You were uh, yes. doing that five minutes ago before I walked in here. Yes, I was. And what's your topic on? I remember something about robots. Yeah. Um, I thought you were actually kidding it's, when it's you said about, it. It's about just human and robot interaction. Mm. About a particular kind of interaction? Uh, yeah. So primarily of a sexual nature. So the question is, why should or shouldn't ha- uh, humans have sex with robots? And my argument is they shouldn't. That's good. Because they won't make us happy. Mm. I actually thought you were kidding when you first told me that what you were writing your dissertation on. <laughs> yeah, most people but, think. But then I, I actually became more intrigued by it. Um, last question of introduction. How did you get so smart? Because you're like oh. this Zen master when it comes to looking at biblical texts together. And you have like this secret sauce <laughs> that you always get it right. Like most I mean, instructors do. But you have like the secret juju of all secret jujus. Um, I don't. I just, you know, uh, as Dave Helm likes to say, we're not always right, but we're never in doubt. So mm. I, I think I just say it more assertively than other people. And uh, and I, I don't know. I mean, I so I this is all I get to do in life. Mm. Like I spend my time trying to figure out how to read the Bible, to preach the Bible. I've been particularly set apart by the church to do this work for the church. So if I'm not better at it than most people, then I don't deserve to be in this job. Yep. Okay, that's a good segue. So you are the director of the Chicago course on preaching. Yes. So what does that all entail? Uh, Your job. So it's it's one of those kind of jobs that looks good, kind of like being a pastor, on like a business card. Really what that means is uh, a significant part of my job is trying to make this thing go that is the Chicago course, which means I'm writing emails. I am uh, buying toilet paper. Mm. I am... Uh, half and half. <laughs> it's kind of, that's pretty much 50-50 split. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm preparing instructions. I'm getting instructors here. It hasn't been around for a very long time, so it's still trying to get off the ground. So I'm trying to kind of jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. So how did, yeah, it hasn't been around that long. How did, right. how did this all come about? How'd you get into this? Yeah. So this has been a dream of Dave Helms and kind of the Simeon Trust in general for a long time since its very inception. Kind of the idea is, I mean, what the Chicago course is, is a residential training program in preaching. So we've done workshops for the last 20 years, three-day intensives, essentially, for pastors. And then the idea was, what if we made this like a year-long, two-year-long program? And so I was pastoring in Nashville. Everything was going great. I was the director for Spanish language initiatives. Bueno. Yeah, bueno, exactly. (laughs) And then the idea was, hey would you be willing to give up the church, which was the hardest decision I've ever made uh, professionally, and then move to Chicago to start a brand new program in preaching? That's great. And just to elaborate just a little bit more, Mm -hmm. what is your relationship to the local church now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I am currently a faithful and joyful member of Christ Church Chicago under Dave Helm. And my main role is uh, at the church is just being a member and uh, being a helpful sounding board for Dave. And then I'm kind of freed up to help a lot of pastors in town. So I preach at a lot of other people's churches. I help them think through preaching, preaching calendars, and just kind of stuff in general, help them with pastoral issues. So it's been a, it's been a real joy to kind of use all my experience internationally and here in the States and just help guys think through preaching and then preach for them when they need a break. Yeah, how many times a year do you think you preach away? Uh, I probably preach 30 to 40 times a year. 
Wow. And then, I mean, that, some of that's midweek and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay, so the Chicago Course on Preaching. Why do you have a passion for helping preachers and particularly helping preachers make progress and becoming Oof. better preachers? Yeah, so the main reason is because I think preaching is important. If God's Word is at the center of the life of the people of God, then the communication of that word is of utmost importance. And I think that while God's word is clear, uh, God's word is not as clear about everything as uh, we kind of generally tend to think it is. It is clear about the basics, right? For sure. Mm -hmm. But it's a big book that's written over a long period of time by a lot of people dealing with a lot of difficult issues. And preaching has um, never, I think, been in good times, but I think that it's probably these days on particularly difficult times, partly because we're so engaged in so many other things as like what's really at the heart of the church. And then also because pastors just don't, aren't trained how to speak good. Goodly. <laughs> Goodly. Goodly. That, that's right. Sorry. Goodly in a bigly kind of way. And so uh, trying to help people think through, okay, how does, how does speech work and how does preaching work and how do we read the Bible? Hmm. That's kind of all we do here. Yeah, so you could. Yeah, you, you said a moment ago, it was one of the hardest decisions of your life to leave yeah. the pastorate. Right. And I, but you you believe in helping preachers. Yeah. That much that you were willing to stop being a full time pastor to help <sighs> preachers preach. Yeah. So it. Yeah. I. So, I enjoyed being a pastor. Uh, I enjoy, uh, pastoring without the title right mm -hmm. now. Just kind of pastoring pastors and helping the congregation that I'm in mature in the Lord. Um, and one day I might serve as an associate pastor under somebody. I have no idea what God has in plan for me, but um, I knew without, without a shadow of a doubt that the reason why God put me on earth was to train other people to preach. I think I'm a decent preacher. Uh, I think that I have particularly gifted in life to help understand how preaching works and help other people understand how it works and help them grow in their preaching. So there was never a question like this is what I was put here to do. Yeah, and I I, I don't want to stroke your ego too much, but you are a good preacher, <laughs> and you are really good at helping preachers. I've been very encouraged these last mm. um, three weeks in growing right. in my own in preaching. Uh, what are what are some of the main things that you want to impress on preachers that are listening, or in, yeah. in ways that you think preachers can grow? You've already touched on it somewhat that we're not we're not goodly communicators, but what other right. things? <laughs> so I think that it the main thing that few of the main things that I want to impress on preachers is that God actually uses his word, so believe it, mm -hmm. and that God even uses bad preaching, so even if you just get hit by the pitch, you still get on base that week, like you don't have to hit a home run every week. I also want to impress upon them when it comes to preaching that everybody can grow in their preaching and everybody should grow in their preaching. If Paul tells Timothy to work to show himself approved, then I guess that you and I have room to grow as well. Right. And so we should always be about the process of becoming better preachers, and that includes both our understanding of the text and our communication of what we have understood from the text. And I think particularly for guys in our circles, what needs to be impressed on people is that this is not a job of just explaining the details of the text. It is a moment of proclamation of what God has to say to his people from this text of Scripture. Mm -hmm. And understanding that the preaching moment 
and every preaching moment is different, that this moment where you stand before a particular group of people is a unique moment in time, and your job is not just to explain the Bible, it is proclaim God's truth from the Bible, which is explain, and then apply, and not just here's the three things you need to do this week, but like make it live for the people. Put it right in their laps. Make it so clear that they walk away thinking, wow, that, I want to do that. I see it. And that was so clear, I don't even know why we pay this guy. It seems so simple. Right. Do you think do you think there's something distinct about the preaching event in the moment versus maybe listening to a podcast? Of oh, some... yeah. They couldn't be more different. Yeah. So I think that pastors can benefit, and other church members can benefit from listening to preaching. Uh, I think the primary benefit for preachers and listening to preaching, besides being edified, is figuring out how effective speech works. That's all rhetoric is, is listening to good speech and saying what works, what doesn't work. But I think that the preaching moment is unique in that there's this word from a person to people that is right there. So somebody might take something away from it later on, but they weren't actually there when it was preached. They don't know what the situation is. The preacher wasn't think shouldn't have been thinking about them. He should be thinking about the people that were in front of him. So there's stuff to glean and there's stuff to, I, I know plenty of people, we know both know people who are converted by listening to a recorded sermon, watching a sermon online. I can't tell you the number of people that are like, yeah, that changed my life. And my life's been changed by people explaining the Bible and sure. preaching. But man, there is something about like this moment in time, which will never go away. Because actually when you're listening to preaching, that's unique too. That word hits you in a particular moment, at a particular time and place. But it's still like that was a unique moment. But something happens when you're all in the room together that is beyond simply like a rational explanation. Right. I mean, yeah, and you and I have a unique perspective in that we've both now been on both sides of the pulpit. Sure. And I can tell you, as a preacher, feeling that moment of the burden of the text <laughs> before these people of God. These people yeah. are, they've, they've given their Sunday morning to sit right. in front of a man, give a monological address yeah. for 40 minutes. Yeah. It's kind of, it's strange yeah. if you think yeah. about it. Absolutely. And then now I've been on the other side, having sat under Michael and uh, and Dan and some of the other pastors at Hinson and feeling the sense of this man has has had to go before God. He's had to go right. before the text and he's 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 delivering something with an, a, yeah. a burning in his bosom, a burning in his belly yeah. that he thinks I need to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th I, I am convinced that preachers need to sit down more often. Mm. Uh, they And they need to sit in their own church, not just in somebody else's church. They just don't need guest preach for somebody else. They just need to sit under preaching live in the room in their church and think, huh, oh, oh, this is how people are hearing and experiencing the, the sermon, the whole worship, you know, quote unquote experience, all the liturgy stuff. Because too often, it's just the same as like being a politician and living far away from your people or being an academic and living far away from normal people. Too often preachers think they're hot stuff because they don't ever have to sit under preaching in general or their own preaching or people who are preaching in their church. And so certain things are just like, well, this is just the way we preach and everybody loves this because it's just the only way I do it. But once I've grown more as a preacher sitting on the other side of the pulpit and listening carefully to preaching and thinking about preaching than I probably did as a preacher every week. Yeah. Um, and now being able to work on both sides of that pulpit is you know, best of both benefit. worlds. Yeah, both best of both. It's worlds. like hot ice, right? It's hot ice, heat up yes. the ice cubes. That's right, icy hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've experienced the same thing. I mean, folks have asked me at Hinson, do I miss being in the pulpit? And on some, on some sense, I do because I've sure. been there. For, I mean, I preached for almost every Sunday for ten years, and I've been at Hinson now for about a year and a half. 
but at the same time, I, I, I don't, I'm very happy to just to yeah. sit and to be fed and to, and to learn and to just be a member of the church. Yeah. And I'm sure you feel the same Absolutely. sitting under Dave. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this often amongst uh, pastor friends of mine here in Chicago that like, if you're going to be a good preacher, Stephen King said this about writing. He was like, you want to know how to be a good writer? You should read writing, hmm. like read good writers. Mm -hmm. And you have to love the craft in order to do it well. I think the same thing goes with preaching. Like you have to love preaching. And you have to love preaching so much that you're willing to like sit under preaching. And I have a cohort of friends here in Chicago. and We, we go and listen to each other preach. And there's nothing more enjoyable than just sitting there listening to a guy you know preach to a group of people that you've preached to before. And all you are in this together and just kind of like yeah we're we're doing this crazy thing like you said earlier like we how preaching is insane right but we're all doing it we're all trying to get better at it right so a lot of congregations are are generally happy with their pastors preaching which is great yep so why why take the time away though to go to something like a chicago course let's talk about the chicago course in general and then we'll we'll transition to the intensive here in a minute yeah but why should a congregation encourage uh, pastors to take time away from their church and families to to work on their preaching yeah something that they do all the time anyway because they're, they're right. doing it 40 weeks a year. So, so yeah. So I think there's a difference between um, working on their sermon mm -hmm. and working on preaching. right? I think pastors are usually engaged in the working on sermons, which is good. Hopefully pastors are reading you know a couple of books a year on preaching or whatever, and they're growing, working on their preaching. But I think that the burdens of ministry ordinarily lead a preacher to just work on their sermons. And they're not thinking about their preaching. And as I've seen time and time again, we see it at workshops all the time, but even more here in the intensive, guys go, oh no, like I realize that I've been getting into bad habits. I've been getting into ruts. The funny thing about Chicago course and the Chicago course intensive and workshops is people are like, I knew all of this. Like this is like no duh stuff. Yet somehow by getting away and working on preaching and thinking hard about preaching amongst other preachers, is actually what fuels a preacher to go home and then work on his sermons. Hmm. So I think that the church needs to, if it's able, celebrate their pastor wanting to work on his preaching and not just on his sermons. That's good. Yeah, one thing, I mean, uh, I noticed in myself, I know that I have, this, this, these are small examples, but I know that I have certain tendencies in my preaching yeah. that no one would probably, that people just probably deal with. For example, sure. <laughs> but you guys don't, you guys don't deal with it. You tell me stop doing that. For example, I say that I'm a funnel preacher that my first point is the longest, then my right. second point's a little shorter, and my third point's a little shorter. And people yeah. just get used to it when they listen sure. to me. But when you guys listen to me, you're like, that's kind of distracting, it's kind of dumb. Why right. don't you not do that anymore and spend more time developing other points? Sure. That's a small example. And yeah, and I think, so I think that, you know, because you want to encourage guys and be like, look, man, God uses your preaching. Mm -hmm. The real problem isn't how you preach. The problem is when you're convinced that like you're done growing. Mm -hmm. At that point, you should just quit. Yep. Because nobody's done, and you could always get better, and this work is too important to do it lazily. Right. You said something to me when I first got here three weeks ago. Um, you said something like, if guys had the opportunity to do this, this intensive, and they didn't do it, they probably should just quit their job. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that. Um, there's lots of guys who can't do it. Right. It's time, the church, family, all kinds of commitments. But if I'm asking a guy, hey, I uh, was a preacher. Oh, you're a preacher? What if you had three weeks to take away to just sit down and think about preaching and think really hard about preaching and work really hard? This is not a vacation. What if you had an opportunity to do that? Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I would seriously question your 
call and your you know uh, legitimacy to preach yeah let's talk about the intensive a little bit so we've yep. we've kind of gone in and out of it but haven't been distinct so there's the chicago course on preaching right and then there's the chicago course intensive yeah which we just are about to finish the maiden voyage of will you make yes. a distinction between the two yeah so the chicago course is a, a year-long full-time two-year-long part-time rigorous training in preaching um it is geared to be uh, modeled after cornhill in england the most intensive and practical training and preaching available in the united states today which is like a bold and semi-pretentious statement but i believe it mm -hmm. the intensive is taking uh the best of the chicago course and making it a three week long full-time thing four days a week for working pastors who have a significant amount of experience with workshops who essentially want to take another step or another two steps forward so the workshops are kind of our spring training you come back you remember this this would be akin to i don't know getting like professional coaching in the off season or it's something. like crossfit yeah like crossfit right like okay so for these three weeks we're gonna come in and it's like it's instead of just spring training it's like basic training it's like this extended thing so but you guys still even after three weeks have experienced exactly one-tenth of what yep. other guys would experience yep. at, the, at so the Chicago course. For the folks at Hinson, explain what we did for the last three weeks. Yeah, so it's uh, it's a mixture of kind of a few different things. So it is training in um, just general principles of how to read around three different genres of the Bible. So we covered Galatians to look at epistles. We looked at Jeremiah to look at prophets. And we looked at Ecclesiastes to look at wisdom literature. And so it's like, okay, well, how do we deal with wisdom literature? And then that's going to apply to Ecclesiastes, for example. Yeah. Uh, and then, but in an extended way and a deeper way, because everybody knows kind of the basics. And then we also talked a lot about rhetoric, like, okay, how does speech work? And we worked on some of that stuff. A lot of Latin so, words that end in titio. That's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, all those things that make you sound smart. Despotitio. <laughs> Respotitio. <laughs> so that's, that's what's in, the, in kind of the mornings. Uh, and then in the afternoons, it's you guys presenting a lot of your own work. So it's presenting worksheets like you would at a workshop. But then there's also preaching. Like you guys have to get up and give a 25-minute sermon, sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, and then get 30 minutes of feedback. Mm -hmm. Like both what you did well and what you need to improve. And the idea is that you're learning from your own preaching, but then you're also learning by giving critiques to other guys and hearing other guys' critiques of preaching. And then I think the other like key element to this intensive is just like this sounds lame, but it's legit. It's just hanging out with each other, right? Just like, spending time around other preachers, not just talking about this text or that text, but just talking about life, ministry. That's a huge part of what we try to do here during the regular Chicago course and also during the intensive because it's like I want you guys to develop relationships. I essentially want all of you to leave here being like, dang man, I can't believe we have to go home. Like I yeah. want to go home, and thank God I don't have to do any more worksheets. And I don't want to preach in front of those guys. It's much easier to preach in front of the church. But man, that was that was a special moment in time. Yep, absolutely. And you said, and I think it's right, that uh, the hardest room that we'll ever preach in is absolutely. in some sense with these guys. Yeah. Because you're sitting in guys that have been doing this as long or longer than you. Yep. And it's a small room. So yep. you're basically spitting on people. Yep. And then they're going to tell you everything you did wrong. Exactly. But one thing I was encouraged by, I, was, I mean, obviously, I think most of the guys were nervous to have to preach in front of other guys. But in the end, it, it proved to be very encouraging. And yeah. Encouraging in the sense that there is good preaching 
around the country. Yes. God has God is building up local congregations through good preachers. Yeah. Amen. Every single guy I heard here, including myself, is a great preacher. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe me in particular. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, if you had to pick who your favorite preacher was and you only had to choose between Daniel Schneider and Matthew Cunningham, who would you pick? Oh man, you know all the preachers in the world. Yeah. So uh this is gonna be so this is going to be really interesting because I've never heard Daniel preach. So, oh, so it's I no guess Matthew Cunningham. There yeah. you go. All right. But you only went by default. I want to oh, be clear. That's fine. That's okay. Fine. Um, say something to pastors and say something to a congregation that you can only say. Like, what is what is what something you wanted to tell a congregation, but you couldn't as a pastor? But now that you're not a pastor, you can tell them. Okay, so this is interesting because just this last Sunday I had an opportunity to do just that. So I got to preach to a congregation that was about to vote for a pastor. Mm -hmm. And I was assigned Exodus 13, 17, and 22. And I titled it Follow the Leader. And I said, God, my main point was God always gets his people exactly where they need to go. And my point was, and I could not have said this if I was the pastor of the church, at least in the way I did. And I could not have said it if I was going up to be the pastor of the church. I could only say it as a guy who'd preached this church a number of times, stood outside of it, was trying to help them make a good decision. And what I said was, if you don't trust in the guidance of God, then you might as well light this church on fire and walk away. Boom. Because it's ridiculous and no pastor will ever save you. And there is no perfect pastor it's like getting married you always get the wrong pastor because right. you're you're terrible and they're terrible and i really wanted i want to impress that on preachers and i want to preach press that on congregations like look dude if you're a pastor follow the leader that's your job by the way leader's god not you and everybody you follow the pastor and the pastor's supposed to be following god everybody's following god and all you're trying to do as a pastor is get other people to follow god that's it and if not then you're literally wasting your time or you're creating a cult Anything else you want to say about preaching? If not, I'm going to some lightning round quick questions. Uh, no, just do it. Like, here's the thing. Like, do it. If you're a preacher, put your back into it. Spend as much time as you can. And believe the believe the truth that God blesses the effort. He doesn't just bless a number of hours or a number of commentaries read or words on a page or any of the, like, stupid things that we tell people. If you're bivocational and you're like, look, I've got four hours a week to dedicate, then use the mess out of those four hours. Don't watch YouTube for two and a half. Mm -hmm. Do everything that you can and get up there in the pulpit just ready to go like, okay, God, this is the best I got. And I don't even know if it's very good, but I'm just going to count on you to like use my labors to speak your word to your people. That's good. What would you say to uh, a congregation? Something that you can say in the way that they relate to their, their pastor. One thing I've said and it's small, but I've said, don't text or email your pastor on Saturday or Sunday morning oh, about something yeah. that doesn't. Let, let him let him have his mind on the text and be ready to feed you. Whatever it is can yeah. wait till Monday. What would you say? I would say, like, be specific. Okay, so uh, I'm all about the grandmas who come up to me after church and are like, thank you, I like that so much. That was, that was so encouraging. And I always say, why? Mm -hmm. And they kind of give me this, like, quizzical look. Um... Whether it's an encouragement or a critique, I agree. Don't do it Sunday morning. Wait for it. Think about it. Pray about it. And then actually be specific. It's like, I didn't enjoy that sermon because, and if it's the because is like, because I don't like the color of your tie or because I just don't like you saying those kinds of things, make sure that like what you don't like him saying is not like a thing that he's saying right out of the Bible. Okay? Right. And so be specific. Because when I get criticisms, the criticisms that I don't like are the ones that are like, I just didn't like you very much this week. 
It's like, well, tell me why. And you're like, it's just, I don't like it. But if they were like, I'll never forget, there's one lady, long time ago, in Nashville, early on in the church, she walks out of the service. And I was like, well, she has a little kid, so she's probably going to go see her little kid. But she didn't come back in. After service, I'm like, hey, how's it going? She's like, that eh, fine. I was like, how was the sermon? She goes, fine. I go, what's wrong with it? She goes, here's the problem. You're fighting with people who weren't in the room. <laughs> And I don't know, I don't know why you did that. Like, you just are you trying to prove that like you've read other people or something? And I've like never been so destroyed by a comment. Clearly, this was like 15 years ago, Man. and my preaching radically changed after that moment because I was like, oh, I am doing that. I am just trying to combat all of the you know whatever postmodernism. Yeah, CRT. Yeah, right. <laughs> Instead of just like I'm preaching God's word to these people. These are the only people that matter. Yep. I don't need to start fights. That's good. That's good. Um, okay, lightning round. Let's go. Uh, why do you have us read poetry? Uh, because poets use words well, and preachers don't. Hmm. Favorite poet? Uh, my favorite poet. Oh gosh, my favorite poet's probably Wendell Berry. Hmm. Taylor Molly or David Foster Wallace? Uh, so okay, so I want to preach like Taylor Molly, and I want to write theological ethics like David Foster Wallace. Socks or Cubs? Uh, I mean, this is Southside, so, so socks. So there's no question. Done deal. Who's been more influential, Piper or Keller? To you? Oh, jeez. Uh, neither. That okay. sounds really bad. Yeah, you're 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 a, you're a heretic. I'm a heretic. <laughs> David Jackman or David Helm? I mean, okay, so like David Helm's my pastor. David Jackman is like one of my heroes. So I think you know Helm. Okay. Plus, I get in trouble if I didn't. I know. I I, I I I just did you a favor. Right. Augustine or Calvin? There's no question. It's Augustine all day. Go back so, to your dissertation. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. So the, I said that we shouldn't have sex with robots because they're not going to make us happy. And you might have thought for the last 22 minutes, Jeremy, that sounds insane. But the reality is, is I'm using Augustine's conception of happiness, which just in real brief, in order to be happy, according to Augustine, you have to have everything that you want and you have to have it forever. Because if you don't have both of those things, then you'll never be happy. And I don't think sex robots give us that, even if they promise to do it. Hmm. I am to the core of my being an Augustinian, except hmm. for, you know, allegorical reading of texts. Yep. Favorite novel. And don't lie and say one that you haven't read. Right, yeah. Uh, so, like, War and Peace or something. Yep. Um, so, my favorite novel of all time, oh, gosh, is... Pro oh, that's a tough one. So, I would say that my favorite novel, as of right now, is... Oh, man. I don't know. This, this question's going really well. Yeah, it's going real great. No, no, that's all, that's okay. I'll come back to it. Let's I know you, you. Okay. Uh, when are you coming to Portland? Uh, I have yet to re reject an invitation. But you're coming to, well, you're coming to Oregon in Martin. Oh, March. I am. So, yes. So Michael should ask you to guest preach probably, right? I mean, if he wants to, I, I, yeah, that'd be great. I'll guest preach for anybody. I'll see what I can do. Okay. Um, okay. Anything else you'd like to say to the, oh, I had one more question I wanted to ask you. What are some ways that Hinson Baptist Church can continue to partner with the good work that the Charles Simeon Trust is doing in Chicago Course on Preaching? Yeah, so there's, okay, well, Chicago. So here's the thing, like, Hinson's a rock star. So we had we had Bondin, Kawamoto come out here. He's yep. done. We're about to have stud Christian muffin. Lawrence. Yeah. Stud, uh, stud muffin again. Great. Uh, yet to be seen, hopefully. And then we have other guys who are considering coming. So, like, really keep up the train. Uh, that would be great. And mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing that Henson can do is like uh, uh, appreciate preaching and the training of preachers. So appreciate your own preaching from your own pastors in your local church and joyfully liberate your pastors to go and either get trained or train others because that's like big and important. Good. 
All right, brother, I just want to say thank you to you and to Dave and to Ed and to Robert for making this happen. Um, we are grateful for the work that the Charles Simeon Trust is doing. And Hanson Baptist Church, I would be remiss to not thank you as well. One more time for your generosity and kindness for in sure. setting uh, Daniel and I did this training. So yep. thank you all. Thank you. Bye for now.